Hello, my friends. I am so excited for today's episode. We have on the authors of the book, The Product Mindset. Now, pay attention because if you build or you're responsible for people building technology products, this book is a must read. Every page I turned, I was saying to myself, yes, that is so true, or wow, what a unique perspective. Rarely do I get this excited, but it's because it's so succinct and packed with useful information that I have to recommend it. Grab a copy, you can read it cover to cover on your next flight. You can buy it on Amazon or Audible. It's very easy, it's available today. Just search Product Mindset. Now, get excited because today we are talking to David DeWolf and Jessica Hall, the CEO and VP of Product Strategy at Three Pillar Global, and we discuss popular topics from their new book, The Product Mindset, and benefits of building an organization that produces great leaders. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hey, look at those microphones. I'm yeah. loving it. It's like official yeah. studios. Yeah. That's the goal. <laughs> so I'm excited. Where are you guys calling in from today? We're in Northern Virginia, right outside of DC. Okay. Do you yeah. both live in there or do you live like in different places and you're coming together? Well, different places within the same region. So we're, okay. what, 30 minutes in opposite directions from yeah, the office? Because <laughs> <laughs> what I saw was on, on the show notes, I saw like different locations. I was like, oh, that's cool. I was curious about how they wrote like a book living in different places. But it, it's really not that far away from each other then. <laughs> like 45 minutes to an hour away from each other, but working yeah. in the same office. But we have, <laughs> we are in, th- our companies in three different uh countries and we have five different locations um there you go two in the u.s three in romania oh no yeah two in the u.s three in romania one in india yeah very cool that's exciting and then how old is the company it's about 13 years 13 years this past month so it's like having a child (laughs) (laughs) um i i tell people all the time there are a lot of similarities between growing a family and growing a company Uh, there's no doubt you can learn a lot of lessons from both that apply to the other so they're they're both all about scale things get easier as you scale more (laughs) david has seven children so he might know (laughs) i stopped at two (laughs) i have two so but they're both under two but i'm definitely seeing how they learn and I can't help but constantly reference it back to like a machine learning algorithm. Like, look at it get smarter. <laughs> yep. Yep. There, there's definitely engineering references, but there's also business references too, right? So you can talk about leverage and scale and how, you know, all sorts of things. But yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> we could have a whole episode on like child, like parenting. Parenting, parenting and professional <laughs> yeah. development. You need to right? go back and do your parenting. And, yeah. 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 Here's a whole That's blog post about like, at what each of the seven it's oh you have a written. series yeah well i know i mean it's you had written once about that's the a lesson the lesson learned from yeah oh very cool so i'm curious about <laughs> number seven <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even remember the lesson from that one by that time you're out of lessons and, and you just learn something new every day i don't know um but no i mean the, the real thing with the the seventh one is um you know for us um, the seventh one has a six-year gap between him and the, the next oldest one. And um, so by the time he was born in the first um, year of his life, I only changed three diapers. Not because I'm a bad dad. Don't ever think that. 
Um, and it's not because I made my wife do it all. It's because I, I had six other parents in the house besides me and my wife. And so that's just leverage right there. It's, you know, it's delegation at its finest. That's exactly right. <laughs> so we're all parents now, but like, let's go back to when, when we were kids, right? Since that's what we're talking about. So when you were, when you were a kid, David, what, what attracted you to technology? Like, how did you get involved with it? Yeah. So I, um, probably when I was in high school, um, just started to, to dabble with computers a little bit, had a uh, programming class, learned basic. I, I, I um, built, I remember my first game that I built um, in that class was a home run derby. Um, and that was cool and exciting. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and then just started to dabble and, and put computers together and then went off to college. And I was actually, I studied uh, communications and media and thought I was going to be in radio broadcasting and television and um, ended up getting out of school and realized I can't support a family on the salaries for producing radio programs. So and, and I remember that moment. So I ended up in an ad agency and this ad agency, um, this was back in uh, late 99, early 2000. And um, the ad agency was getting into what they called new media. And that basically meant building websites. And so um, I was writing HTML, building websites, using some design skills, um, and ended up my very first engagement for that ad agency was consulting with a, a software company in Silicon Valley. So I spent the first three months of my career going to San Francisco, working for a software company, ended up three months in um, that CTO of that software company, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I fooled him and he, he, uh, he really began to uh, mentor me and, and liked me a lot and ended up recruiting me to come work for him. And that's how I got into the software business. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so fun story. But you've leveraged that communication. That's such an important part. And you've leveraged that in your business to have some success as well. Oh, I mean, it's one of the great things that people ask me all the time, you know, how many people actually use their degree? And um, what did you learn in college? Do you ever use your degree? Because people look and say, how does this map? You know, and for me, um, the answer is that there were a couple things I learned in school that they don't put on a piece of paper. Um, but were incredibly meaningful. The first one was how to communicate. Um, that is both the written word and the spoken word. I think it's really important. And especially for engineers, um, we don't know how to communicate. Way too many um, are, um, you know, the stereotype and, and don't know how to interact and communicate. The, the second thing that I learned was I had a ton of leadership opportunities. Um, how do you motivate and inspire people towards a goal? How do you organize people to accomplish more than the sum of the parts can? And I was just thrown into these situations over and over at, at college and was able to really refine my leadership skills. And, and it was the combination of those two things combined with the fact that I had this CTO that decided to mentor me that really got me started in the software industry and allowed me to stand out despite not having a background in computer science. That's exciting. I love it. It's like, who cares how we all get here? Like we, it, you're killing it. I, I'm very excited. And I think it's, I think it's very useful, right? Like whether you have a strong background in computer science or not, that you're contributing in a really big way and to the industry. So I'm, I, I'm personally grateful. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I read your content and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I really like this guy. Oh, I appreciate that. Jessica, how did you get, how did you fall in love with technology? Uh, so when I was a kid, it was not an uncommon occurrence in my house for my father to yell across the house, Jessica. So because something was wrong with his computer and I apparently was the cause of all of it. Sometimes that was actually the case. <laughs> um, and so I just remember always fiddling around with my dad on his computer and trying different things and fixing things and, and being interested in, in it. Um, 
I, like David, thought about a career in journalism. I wanted to write for the Washington Post. So I went to journalism school and worked at a place called the Museum all the way through school. The Museum is an interactive museum of news in Washington, DC. And so I worked alongside of uh, people who worked for all the major networks and people who um, worked on television shows and satellite uplinks and um, big news services pushing out content to places all around the world. And I discovered they were crazy. Um, and you know the technology part was great and interesting and fun, and it was great to help people learn. But being a journalist uh, wasn't necessarily something I wanted to do. But tremendous for me, like David, tremendous. I mean, I use my journalism degree every day. I just don't use it as a journalist. I use it as a UX researcher. I use it as a product manager. I use it as a team leader in order to understand what's going on, synthesize it, get people to understand what we're doing get the information to the people who need it. It just wasn't necessarily the plan. So I really came up through the design side. Um, started out um, doing some database engineering and some broadcast technology, then moved into design and animation. And then uh, I got sick of being told that to make something look pretty that was didn't make any sense to me. And that's how I ended up doing products as well. Wait, you didn't like making things pretty? I'm, you know, at the end of the day, like pretty is nice, but it's like, why are we building this? Who is it for? How's it going to be useful? I want something to look good and be meaningful. And I, I feel like those things are achievable. I love it. Yeah. Cause focused on the value is just in incredibly important. And that's probably one of the reasons why you guys are growing as fast as you are. So tell me a little bit about your three pillar global and what the growth's been like for your company. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I started the story how I got into the industry and um, several years into my career, um, I was very active in both the open source movement, uh, working with the Apache Software Foundation, um, and then also the the agile trend that was starting to take root in the early 2000s. Um, and so based on that, I decided to strike out and be an independent consultant. And I thought at that point in time that I was going to write a book, interestingly enough, but it was going to be a technical book. And uh, so I thought, you know what, I'll be an independent consultant. I'll write this book and that'll be my life, right? I'll, I'll continue to go around speaking and that type of thing to technical audiences. And I never wrote a single line of that book that I was going to write. Instead, I woke up two years later and I had six people working for me. And I will never forget how it hit me like a ton of bricks, what the awesome responsibility of being responsible for six other families' paychecks was. And it, to this day, I still can't remember actually making the decision to hire that first employee. It just kind of happened to me. And I, I created a name in this niche market and all of a sudden began introduced to more than I could handle. And I would introduce friends and um, they would go help out these different clients. And uh, one of these clients came back and said, well, we actually want you involved. If you don't mind, do, do you mind if we subcontract to this individual through you? And I said, sure, if that's helpful to you, you know, I'll spend one or two hours with you a month. And that's literally how I hired my first employee. And the rest is kind of history. I, I woke up at that moment. What I realized was that reputation that we had built and grow without even trying was that we specialized in building software products and products, um, the software that companies are using to sell, like it is the value proposition and it is interacting with those customers. That type of software is wildly different in approach than enterprise IT software or automating something. Um, because it has to drive an actual financial result by itself. It has to be self 
funding. Um, and the bar, because it has to be chosen by people that are paying for it, is also higher in a lot of different ways. And you have to kind of explore and navigate a market versus build your requirements. And so those elements were different about this product space. And I kind of built a reputation for being an expert in product versus just being a expert software engineer. And that's kind of how we grew. And so that's what we doubled down on and said, this is at that time we didn't even talk about the digital economy but i said you know software is eating the world those types of phrases were out there I said in this world where the business model is becoming software this has a real place and not only are software companies going to need this but all enterprises are going to have to transform into software companies and they don't know how to do what i do and so we bet the whole strategy of the company with that and you know those six employees have grown to, to almost a thousand worldwide now at this point and myself, I've been, you know, over the past 10 years, I went through that phase of learning how to go from, you know, really building something cool to building something that's like a product for business to actually achieving this product mindset. And so when I was reading through your book and when I first, so when I first landed on the three pillar website, Chloe's like, Hey, check this out. And your big text of like, you need revenue. And it's like, you said all the right things. I was like, these people, they get it. They oh, get thanks. how to drive it. Cause I use the phrase, I stole it from uh, yes or at William Sonoma, um, outcome driven. Yeah. Like every, you have to be very, very clear about what the outcome is you want. And then you have to work backwards from that. And that like how you accomplish that in the least steps possible is like very important thing. And, it, and then I looked in the market and it's like, it's very hard to find a development company that's focused on like achieving a specific outcome in the shortest amount of time possible to, and, and that's what you guys do. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it is about those outcomes and it's shocking how many companies are out there building software and they can't tell you what that outcome is they're, they're, or they're pursuing. We ask clients, we ask prospects all the time, you know, why? Why are you building this? And they can't tell us, well, we're trying to grow our revenues X percent. We're trying to capture this market share. We're trying to X, Y, or Z. The only way you will be successful is if you de really define that outcome and then you drive towards it. It's a huge part of the book is helping to set that, that mindset. So how does an existing business, let's say people, they feel like they're a little ambiguous, right? And they want to move towards this outcome-driven outcome -driven approach. They want to implement, begin to implement this product mindset? What are their first steps? That's a, that's a great question. So, I mean, as a very first step, trying to get, um, get some working knowledge of what are the characteristics, and, and David started to talk about them. We have, there are things that we've seen over the 13 years we've been in business over and over again. When these things are present, they tend to lead to success. Um, the product is chosen. People have more choices than ever. They can abandon e easier than ever. You know, they, not only do they have to choose you today, but every month when that bill comes, they have to continue to choose. So things have to be chosen. They have to be self-funding. That there's always more revenue coming into the system because there's constant costs. Every month you're paying your AWS bill and you're paying your engineers and your designers and your product managers. Money has to be coming in. That's the self-funding piece. And then the last one is that it can't ever be, you're never done. You don't get to just put it into maintenance mode. There's always things that need to happen. And if those things aren't happening, then you're not being chosen. Then you're not being, uh, you know, new revenue isn't coming in the door. So if we think that those are the things that lead to success, then the question is, what gets us there? How do we want all of our teams to be thinking 
as they go all through their day, through picking up a ticket and deciding what to do about it or deciding how to prioritize or to offer trade-offs. We want them thinking about things like how do we minimize time to value? How do we get things in customers' hands faster? How do we solve for need? How do we understand what problems our customers have and put the right thing together for them? How do we excel at change? How do we have good tools and processes in thinking around when to make a change, when to hold, how to make that change, who needs to be involved in it? And so our general sense is that if you can put all this together, and we've seen it over 13 years, over 100 clients, over 150 products that we've touched, these things actually work out pretty darn well. And this is definitely something an organization can learn. So initial step is getting a sense of what is it we're trying to do. The next piece is, do, does your team know what mount you're climbing? Um, I do some consulting and I was recently with a client and I walked around and talked to people all over their entire organization in marketing, in sales, in ops, uh, engineering, uh, product, UX. And I said, simple question. What are the most three most important things you're trying to get done in the next three months? No one could tell me. 15 people, all the different departments. Nobody knew. Like they were like, oh, we got to hit this release date. We're trying to get these done. It's like, what are we trying to do? Um, so often leaders don't invest in context. There's like the one deck that they deliver once a year. Like, here's what we're doing. Nobody understands it. They kind of know that this is going to happen, but they don't really necessarily think people are committed. So uh, spending some time with your leadership team, no more than three objectives for, you know, and really start thinking in smaller chunks, not necessarily a year, but three month chunks. Research shows that it's, it's a time period. We have enough time to get started. You don't see it as too far away that you're not able to make progress against it. What is the goal for the next three months? We want to drive. Um, we want to reduce churn. We want to increase engagement. We want to increase adoption. We want to bring new features to market that's going to allow us to cross out. What are those three simple objectives? And then you say it all the time, constantly. Mm -hmm. And everybody is reminded when we're making, you know, we're doing, we're prioritizing what work we want to do. We're deciding what kind of design we're going to invest time in. We're testing with our customers. We're really hammering at those things. And we often see that folks just don't necessarily um, you know, beat that drum that they just get stuck into. I got to get from here to there with this much stuff by this much time. And so it slips into this very execution mindset as opposed to being an outcome driven mindset. You know, the wonderful thing is the work of Carol Dweck and other shows, mindsets can change. Like these things are moldable and shapeable. It ain't easy. It's not going to happen overnight, but it is definitely possible that you can help to change some of the behavior patterns in your organization's by taking small steps and just repeating like crazy. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You started the question with this, you know, a, a organization that wants to adopt this but doesn't have it. Just just hit on that key point of context. And, and that actually reminds me of the genesis of the product mindset is the way we tripped over this was that one of the very first clients we had at Three Pillar, we went in doing a consulting engagement to help get a product back on track. And we assumed like every good consultant does, it's either people, process, or technology. Right. And I went in there and they were using the exact same technology stack I would recommend. And their people were actually brilliant. I really enjoyed working with them. I was learning things from them. 
And their processes, while they weren't the perfect agile shop for where we were in that point in time, they were actually pretty mature and, and they were doing well. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And one day an engineer, um, this company was, was reinventing the way warranties um, are managed um, the, the, the warranty supply chain, basically, and how you dispatch different service providers in order to go service your washing machine or that type of thing. And an engineer came up to me and said, what's a warranty? And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh my gosh, these people don't have context. They didn't know two fundamental things. They didn't know why we were building the software, like what was the revenue we were trying to drive towards it. And they didn't understand the customer and what the customer needed because they didn't even know what the customer's words were, right? And so I think that executive that you're talking about that has this nebulous environment and they're just building to build, what can they do? They can define those two things. And then the third principle, the third understanding is this always changing world that you have to operate in. But if you can nail that objective, that big thing we're trying to accomplish, and you can nail understanding the customer and make sure every person on your team understands those two things, man, you've taken a step forward. So let's say that I've got a couple things I want. This is good. This is good. I like it. So let's say that I'm a little bit shy. Let's say that I don't necessarily have the right processes. I have some great people, we, we want to achieve this goal, but I'm not doing all of these things now. Like all these things that you just said, they sound great, but let's say I'm not there yet and I'm a little bit shy. If I come to you guys, like, is that, do you get that from time to time? Do you know how to handle that? Am I going to get like beat up about like not having the perfect systems in place or do you, do you help me with that? Welcome to the world. Is that what we'd say? <laughs> well, what yeah. I usually say is nobody calls us when things are possible. <laughs> yep. uh, Google ain't calling us. The people who call us, call us because they need help. And the people who answer that call are people who want to help. People who will meet you where you are and help you get where you're going. Who understand that like this is a crazy, mixed up, changing world and you need a guide. You need someone who has been there and done that and that will help you along your journey. And that's when we're hiring people, we're looking for people who want to do that. They're strong, highly skilled, and they're engineering or UX or product discipline, but they're also people who are there to help, who are, who are called towards that, you know, that calling, uh, that, you know, people are going to need guidance along the way. And not just do they need to know, do I choose this technology or that technology, but okay, what are the other things, what am I not thinking about? What am I not considering? I think my favorite clients in my um, closing in on six years of working at three pillar is the ones who just come and say like, listen, I don't think I have all the answers, mm -hmm. but I really care about learning. I'm really open. I want to try new things. What are other people doing? What do you guys think we should do here? And it creates such an amazing partnership where we learn from each other and we grow together. And I think our best client relationships are ones that have, you know, started in one place and ended up in a, you know, a totally different place. And we all got there together. We didn't all know exactly what we we're supposed to do at the start. I think the other thing I'd add to that is um, what we're really talking about is how modern software product organizations, true digital organizations think these days. And it reminds me of artificial intelligence and machine learning. There are four companies in the world that really do AI and machine learning and everybody else is just talking about it in the press, but they think they're far behind the whole 
ecosystem. The reality is that the vast majority of people don't know. And um, I think from a product mindset, um, there's only a few more people that are ahead of AI and machine learning. The reality is digital product organizations are new, especially in the enterprise, especially outside of the core software company ISV universe. Um, and so I would say to that person, don't be embarrassed, right? It is on the leader to actually recognize and acknowledge where you're at and to go find the help that you need to able to be able to kind of shape that organization and move it forward. Amen. I like that, right? Because I was just having, I was doing a workshop last week uh, and we were having this conversation with the leader. We went into the workshop thinking it was going to be one thing. We came out understanding that there is this entirely different thing. And so his, his goals needed to be different. And I said, look, this is a hard goal to put in front because it shows that because this is your goal, it shows your problems. Yeah. And so, but you're going to get so much respect when you set this as your goal, your problems are clear and you stand up and say, well, hey, we have problems, we got to solve them. That's way better than just totally. setting a, a pretty goal to hit. And it's how right? you improve things, right? Is acknowledge yeah. the weakness and go get it, right? Yeah, totally. go after it. It's why it's fun to wake up in the morning. So David, I was reading your blog. Uh, I was reading about the rest that you re uh, read the books, Rest, When, and Deep Work. Okay, I've read sure. like two of three two of the three of those, and you're thinking about productivity and that sort of changed your working style. And I was hoping you could just elaborate a little bit on your growth there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's really relevant to this conversation um, because we're talking about agilists, right? In a product mindset, right? If you look at the different methodologies that are out there, right? For the engineer, it's agile. And how do we work in this agile engineering environment? For the product management manager, it's lean, right? Um, for the, the UX experience designer, it's design thinking right? All these different um, tools that we have, they're all good. The product mindset pulls them all together. But every single one of them is highly collaborative. Every single one of them is about um, being very nimble and flexible and moving. And in that world, I have gotten really drunk on the collaboration with people and open environments and being able to have the ability to continually collect information because innovation comes from the ability to connect dots. And so the more dots you're able to collect and pick up, the more you can notice those trends and piece them together. But what those books did for me was change my mindset to realize that if you're going to collect all those dots, what is likewise as important is to have the mental capacity and time to connect the dots. Gathering them is not enough. And deep work is all about doing mentally intensive, creative things. And science, and the science is kind of laid out in all of these books, um, science shows that as human beings, we need time to be able to rest our minds. And sometimes that's doing different types of work. One of the, the most refreshing things for me on the weekend is I've got 10 acres and I'll go out and chop wood. Right? It's totally different work than I do the rest of the week, but it's rest for me. It's great. I love it. Um, I need sleep. I need to take care of my health, right? When I was young, I'd, I'd sleep. When I was writing open source software, I would go to bed at three in the morning and I'd wake up at six in the morning and that maybe seven, right? That was a normal night's sleep for me. I don't function at my ultimate capacity uh, in that world. And so these books really shaped my mind over thinking a little bit differently than I had kind of grown up as an engineer, um, just kind of working hard, writing code, collecting dots and collecting information, but never taking the time necessarily to piece them together. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of discipline too, right? Because I know for myself, 
I, I get up early. I'm an early person to get up at five, five thirty, go for a run. But the hardest part of getting up at five thirty is isn't getting up at five thirty. It's going to bed at nine. You hit the nine. nail on the head. I'm totally <laughs> with you. Yeah. 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 I, so I have a routine. I do like a hot shower. I do some stretching. I put on my sleep mask. I lay in bed. Like I have this routine. And the hardest part is like saying, All right, I gotta I gotta say today is a win. I gotta go enact that routine yeah. and then it then everything else is easy so i liked i liked reading about that that's cool what's the what's the jessica what's the culture like at three pillar as as a whole yeah um well it's funny that you mentioned that because you know when your ceo and founder is talking about rest and sleep and doing all these other things it kind of enables the rest of the organization <laughs> to start to say okay well he's he's doing it and, and he's not just reading the book and then it's lasting for a week and then he moves on to the next thing I know plenty of CEOs who do that, not this one. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, yeah, I've been with the three pillar for almost six years now. Uh, it is, uh, it's been a phenomenal journey. Uh, you know, I, I came here, <laughs> I know a funny story, never done it to anybody else, by the way. Um, no job description, no manager, no team, no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and uh, I basically just kind of, in, you know, figured it all out and I had tremendous support from the organization. So it's been a place where I've been able to really challenge myself to grow, to take on new things, work with great, smart, open, friendly talented people on some really tough challenges, but also felt like I had a lot of support in order to grow and, and to get coaching and to be willing to do new things. And also a place where I've, I've had, you know, my two girls and had the flexibility of being able to be a mom and a professional, which is, you know, a challenging thing. And, you know, I don't know what's next. And that's okay. I know I'm, I'm pretty excited that it's going to be fun and we're going to learn a lot and it's not going to be easy by any stretch. Uh, but it's, it's been a great run and you just work with tremendous people all around the world. I mean, this book would not be possible without so many people who have done amazing things for clients who have taught me, who have mentored me, have coached me, have told me when I'm being stupid. Um, that one too. Um, and, <laughs> and it's been, you know, not, I mean, I'm totally like that, you know, hard feedback is, is necessary at times. Um, and just tremendous group of people to work with. And, you know, what we do is hard and we go into situations with clients where they are under pressure and they are behind and they are stressed out. And so we have to make it easy. Like when you're in our four walls, like we got to, we're going to make it easy for you. We're going to support you so that you can go out there and deliver for your clients. Yeah. And, and and that is needed for innovation, right? T taking that back to your listeners, what, what's the takeaway from that? Well, if you truly want to innovate, if you want to build successful product, you have to have a culture where people feel supported. You have to have a culture where people can take care of their family life. Um, you know, if, if, if you have a new girl that was born, right? Those types of things are essential because we go back to those books you mentioned. We need space to be able to innovate, to come up with that new idea, to come up with that creative thing. And the reality is, and so many companies miss this, that we are better off when we have that support. We are better off when we have that space. We are better off when we are um, balanced and, and have that space because our minds are so much more effective and efficient. And so you may not get 70 hours a week, but you're getting optimal peak performance in the hours people are working. And that I will take that all day, every day over burning people out, right? And so right. I think that's just essential. It, it, 
And that's how you come full circle. I mean, myself, I learned the importance of rest after hitting burnout, yeah. right? Because then you you just say, you take the time and then you realize, like you said before, you start connecting all those dots and you're like, I need to do this more yeah. and I need to not burn out less. And if I do this more, I'll be even better. And then it comes back down to the discipline. But one thing that I took away from that, that um, I like your takeaway, but one thing I took away was that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, you saw greatness in inside of Jessica and you said, let's bring this person in, let them explore and figure out and tell us what, what, what I need to do. Is that how it happened? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a long, funny, funny really, story. It's a good one. Je- Jess literally sh- showed up on day one and didn't have a manager. Um, <laughs> and it, it's funny how it all transpired, but she showed up and I met with her and I was like, listen, I hear you're an absolute rock star and we are excited to have hired you but something happened in these processes and kind of fell through the cracks. So you and I get to figure out your job together. And um, she just took that rope and ran with it and has been an absolute rock star ever since. And she's one of those rare people that, that really works well in a nebulous environment. And um, you know, again, freedom and responsibility, right? There's another principle. When you give people the freedom to do great things, they do great things. Now, that didn't mean it wasn't without responsibility. We sat down and we very quickly um, decided on a practice she was going to build for for us from scratch. She said, this is the practice. These are the business results we're going for. Go. Here's a bunch of rope. Take it. And uh, she built some great a great practice out of that. Um, and that was just the beginning of the journey. And so, yeah, that, that really is how it happened, but in a funny way, how it started. Yeah. We didn't do, we've never done that to anybody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the one who was like, but, but in stress, and uh, one of the things they always say is we have some amazing agilists, amazing technologists and designers and product managers. It's like, listen, I'm going to give you the tools and I'm going to give you the template and then I'm going to let you decide. Here's how we write. Here's how we like to write stories. Here's how we like to do some of these things. These are some of the practices we've seen work over and over again. But you're on the ground. You're in there with the client, dealing with their situation, what they need in the moment, and you got to make a call. Yeah. And we we will support you in that call, and we will help you. But you're the one who has the context, who who knows what's going on with the, the code, who knows what's going on with the business, who knows what's going on with the political environment. And I want you to make the call that you think is the right one for that moment because nobody is going to make it better than you. So I can give you all the tools and, I, and, I'll, and I'll keep improving those tools and I'll keep bringing those tools along. But, but the most important thing you can do is read the situation and use your judgment. And you know what? Your judgment's going to be wrong sometimes. Yeah. And then we'll unwind it together and we'll sort it out. But I think you'll also find that clients like anybody else if you're doing what you think is best to achieve their goals and maybe it doesn't quite work out, they will forgive you because they'll, they'll understand they'll, and they'll take the attitude that we're all going to learn together. Those, that's what makes a great client is that that kind of shared commitment towards um, achieving those results together. It, it also describes why mindset is so important, right? Mindset is really about shaping how we make those judgment calls in the moment. How are you thinking so when you're faced with a decision, you can make it? And so this goes whether you're building a practice uh, and a business or if you're an engineer deciding how to write a line of code, how to implement some feature, if you understand the surrounding, if you understand what the military calls commander's intent, if you understand the objective versus just the rules, you make better judgment calls. And so the leader's responsibility is to set that context, to set that mindset, to provide those guiding principles so that 
individuals can, in a safe way, feel supported to make judgment calls. I love the way you language that because we, we're a growing company here. We have about 15 people and I've been, you know what it's like when you start a company, right? And it's, you, you want to empower them and give this concept yeah. of individual ownership. But I, I like I like how you languaged, and I've never heard of that commander's intent, but mm. that's really what I want to say to them. I want to say, look, it's okay to make a mistake. Just know like what your intent was behind it. Like what, what are you going for? Because what I ultimately care about, I don't care about the few mistakes that you make. I care about what you're after, like what you see is the carrot, like where, where you're headed. Yeah. Because that, that allows me to know that your mistakes are building and you're becoming more experienced towards the single objective we want to achieve. I love that. Yeah, and, and way too often as entrepreneurs, especially, not just as leaders, but as entrepreneurs, yeah. we forget to communicate that why, that commander's intent behind it. And we just say, hey, we need to get this done. And that's not commander's intent, right? What are we trying to accomplish, right? It goes back to this same theme, expressing that. And, and I think especially as entrepreneurs, we forget to do that um, because so often we have played every single role, right? I laugh all the time of, of the thousand roles we have here. The only role I've never played is the CFO role because I didn't have a CFO early <laughs> on. I was the controller. I was the bookkeeper, but, but I didn't really play the CFO. But every other one I did. And so sometimes I, I skip three steps forward, just assuming things. Um, and so extracting ourselves as entrepreneurs more and more and more and more and giving more and more rope and expressing intent so that everybody in the organization knows what you're after and can make judgment calls. So powerful. Let's say I'm an engineer, leader, engineering leader, manager, maybe even executive. And I'm like super attracted to this culture right now. And I'm saying, all right, this is a place where I want to work. Like these, this is my tribe. These are my people. How would they learn more about a career at Three Pillar? Yeah, I mean, two things. Number one, uh, Cody, our head of global recruiting, is jumping for joy right now. Um, so reach out to Cody uh, or somebody on his team. I mean, if you go to threepillarglobal.com, um, we have a, a career section that explains our culture and what it is to, to be a three-pillar team member and what our culture is. Um, that a lot of the things we're talking about here, uh, but you can find jobs there. Um, and seriously, in, in all seriousness, uh, reach out to, to us through the website or uh, to Cody Winters and, and he would be happy uh, to chat with anybody. We are always hiring and growing and looking for folks to, to help us build great products. One of the things I want to compliment you guys on is putting your culture on your website. Nine out of 10 of the people I talk to don't do it. Cause I try to show them. I try to show you guys some love. You come on the show, you give me your time. You're here <laughs> sharing all your best knowledge. And I'm like, what happened? We found out from the show was I'd get calls from guests like six, seven months later saying, Hey, somebody from your show, they heard my story. They liked it. They added me on LinkedIn. I've since hired them and moved them across the country or whatever it is. And they've yeah. become one of the best employees ever. It's awesome. The people that people that listen to our show are the people who are trying to listen to great people to improve and grow themselves. Yeah. So that's like our, that's our tribe, you know? And so I always tell people, look, put your culture items. They should not be secretive internal yeah. items. Totally. They need to be on a website because that will magnetically attract your people. They'll go to your website. They'll see what you believe. And they say, I identify that and I want to work there. That's you know? one of the reasons why we wrote the book uh, too, yeah. is that, you know, some of it is because we wanted to, we wanted to attract people who believe what we believe and wanted to work the way we want to work. Um, whether that be um, an engineer, a UX designer, a product manager, or that was a client um, who, you know, you know, I want something different. I just don't want people who do what I tell them to and don't think for themselves. Like I want something different. I'm looking at something different. And that's what, in addition to doing some of the culture things and things our, our wonderful marketing team does to attract talent, 
um, we really wrote the book because we wanted people who wanted to work like this. Um, some of our work around the product mindset came because employees said, you know what, you guys haven't been talking about this in a while. You know, we think this is important. We think you need to get back on it. And, and that definitely spurred a lot of work um, that we've done in order to um, get our own teams excited for it. And the last week was just amazing. Oh, so much fun. So cool. Um, so last week was product week. It was the internal launch of the book. And so in every center, uh, there were also there were master classes, there were book clubs, there were scavenger games, hunts, scavenger hunts, <laughs> and games with marshmallows and pipe cleaners, and uh, and you know all over the world, and uh, it lit up my social. Like my phone is still blowing up with stuff from that, and uh, and it was so cool to see everyone around the world who's excited about this idea, excited for this launch to arrive to get you know to celebrate and, and to share what they're about and. You know, we wouldn't have gotten here without, you know, 890, what's the yeah. number at the moment? Anyway, a lot. 890 some odd people who believed in this and, and contributed to this and are celebrating this and, and doing really cool stuff with it all over the world. So can I buy it today? Yes, you can. You can. Go to Amazon yeah. and you can find it. Um, you, you can do two things. Number one, you can just do a search for the product mindset um, on Amazon. The other thing, go to productmindset.com. Uh, we have a website dedicated to the book. You can find not only uh, the book itself and get the link to Amazon, but you can also find some research that we did with Forrester that proves out a lot of the concepts of the book and provides a little bit more color around how our organizations actually adopting um, a product mindset and these principles in their everyday life. So you have like some case studies in there? We do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Yep. And and by the way, the book is chock awesome. full of stories. So we, we really, we tried to make this a really simple, easy read. The goal was actually for executives that were flying from DC to San Francisco to be able to digest it in a flight. Um, and so it's a pretty easy read. And I think it's, um, it's something that um, we really believe this is a movement. We believe the product mindset um, is kind of the next wave um, that that needs to happen in our industry. And so really, I would encourage you to check out productmindset.com. I like that feature, digestible in a flight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is actually attractive to me because I look, for, I read a lot on flights. Right. Yeah, lots of people do. And I think they're always looking for like, what is something that I'm reading a wonderful book right now called Accelerate. It's about the science of DevOps and I love it, but it is hard. <laughs> it's hard. It is making me work a lot and think, but we wanted to make you think, not necessarily make you work. Um, I like it. I'm reading a book right now called Get Together. It's a like a very easy read about communities. Have you seen that one? I feel like I heard about it, but I haven't read it. Who wrote it? I think it's a newer book. It, it was like some of the people that have done a lot of these social movements, whether it was like launching Instagram in different countries or... Uh, creating a, a walk that everybody does, like how do you get these millions of people together and how do you how do you do that successfully? And it's a 90 or, you know, two hour read or something. It's pretty short, but yeah. it's it's very concise hmm. and it's a nice, nice takeaway. It's called Get Together. But yeah, I I personally very excited about your book. We're, how about we put it in our um We'll take maybe maybe send us an interesting photo of something you were saying that people were doing for the launch. We'll put it in our newsletter and we'll put a link to the Amazon and everything so people could go buy it. That would be awesome. awesome. We'd appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Our job is to find really good information and then spread that information as far as possible. So as we start to wrap up here today, what are you most excited about with the company? Like what's getting you jumping out of bed in the morning? You want to go first or you want me to? Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I, you know, what, what I'm super excited about is 
we have spent the last couple of years really focused on getting our message out there. And this book is a big part of it. You know, the reality is I was an engineer. I, I'm an engineer. I'm not a marketer, right? And so we built this company. We built a different way to build products that has literally built billions of dollars of equity value for our clients. And it was the best kept secret. And what we have done in the past year of bringing in professionals that know how to market, know how to get books out there and take our thought leadership and truly make it thought leadership versus just this hidden nugget is we're now telling the world about it. And I'm super excited because of the um, companies that are reaching out to us and saying, oh my goodness, we need that. Um, you know, I had a, I'll give you a quick example. Um, there is a software company executive um, that uh, has been a, a software executive for uh, 30 years that most of you, the listeners of your podcast would recognize the name of that I was having a conversation with after he read a preview copy of the book. And he said, David, for years, I've known that product is different from other types of software, but I've never been able to articulate it for the first time you put it in words that I can now teach to other people. And I was blown away by that's the type of impact that we're having. And that's what our team has been able to do as we've kind of taken it to the next step and we're starting to shout from the rooftops, right? This gold nugget that we found and we're so excited about it. And what's cool is it's not just marketing, it's real and it's working for real clients. Um, and so the impact of that on the industry um, and the new types of clients we get to work with, the new incredible employees that we're attracting because of that, the way that we're not just building businesses, but we are a thought leader that's setting the standard for how products are being built, that just gets me up in the morning. I'm, I'm just jazzed and totally excited about it. And thank you, by the way, too. Like we need that as an industry. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun to do. I'm, I'm glad it's kind of happened. Yeah, I mean, and for me, uh, one of the things that I've loved throughout the years is just people who opened up new opportunities for themselves. One of our, and one of our clients, a QA manager, got really excited about the product mindset became an advocate for them across his organization, got a whole new career and just won a major award from his involvement there. We have a really strong alumni network. Um, a lot of my crew has gone on to lead their own teams, lead their own business units, lead their own um, efforts. And we've had many um, entrepreneurs who came through three pillar at one point and were able to take the product mindset into other organizations. So just, you know, one thing that would make me incredibly excited and happy is to hear that we helped people. Yeah. We help people in not only do we help our clients and new clients, yeah, I hope there's some of those, but also just like people who read the book start to, you know, uh, Put these ideas into practice and they they see growth in their careers they see new opportunities that maybe they didn't see think were open to them they get that seat at the table and that voice in decision making that they've always wanted but they weren't quite sure what they needed to develop in order to get there these are the kind of things you need if you want that seat at the table where decisions are are being made and the kind of way that you need to think in order to have that kind of impact Yes, I'm going to say yes, 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 <laughs> especially, especially to that one thing that stood out to me. I'd say one of the biggest blinding things in this entire interview is what you just mentioned. You're, you produce leaders and that is how you find good leadership. You want to find good leadership, go watch where people are leaving and becoming great leaders in the world. And you know that that company has a system for producing great leaders. And that, that's like, that gets me so excited. I talk about that in my talks all <laughs> over the world. I mention it because everyone's so scared. How do I retain? How do I hold on? Okay. It's like, 
produce leaders at a rate that people look at you and say, you have a reputation. I know if I have a desire to be better and I know if I go over there with those people, I will be in, a, in an environment where I will have every opportunity to become better. You just gave me goosebumps. I so <laughs> believe what you just said. In fact, yes. a core part of our, our vision um, is that we want to be the employer of choice within this space. And, and we define that as the value of your career should go up when you come and work at Three Pillar right? Yes. We want to take individuals and help them um, live into their full potential and become the best version of themselves. And that's how we should measure our leaders is, are, are they doing that for other people? It's not about yourself. Leadership is not a privilege. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is not. It is a responsibility. And um, it, it's a huge one. It's great to hear you say that we need more people out there really pointing to that, encouraging others to, to look and act that way. Absolutely. No, this is exciting. I, I love getting to meet you guys. It's like <laughs> you guys are my 100% my tribe. I guess we're sort of wrapping up now, but thank you so much for your time. And then Jake and Chloe will loop back with you as we post the quick clips. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Right. Thank you guys. Yeah. A lot of fun. Take yep. care. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.